In this episode with Malika Govindan, we get an insight into training and development and where her passion comes from for this area. We find out about the importance of development in retaining top talent within a company, the services that Roboyo offer to our clients within this area, and also the shift to employee empowerment. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of All Access Automation. Today I am delighted to be joined by Malika Govindan. Malika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Noel. Really good to be here. Good stuff. How are you? How are you keeping? I'm good. Thank you very much. The sun's shining today, so I can't complain too much. Bit of a change. Definitely a change for April. Yes, and we're up in beautiful Hackney this morning. We are. It's my first time in Hackney. I was trying to find exactly how to get here. Mm. So uh, I managed the bit up to the underground and then uh, it was a whole new level of travel experience having to get on the overground. So I've made it now. I can explore. You're a city girl. You're normally underground. I'm normally underground going to some museum or art gallery, but I've uh, surfaced now and keen to explore the area. Good stuff. I'm glad to hear. And uh, you've done a few webinars before with Roboyo. You've one coming up as well. Any podcasts before? Or is this the first? No, this will be the first. And uh, I'm glad that we can be guinea pigs together. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. We can make all the mistakes together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Brilliant. And if you kind of bring it back, I suppose, your whole career journey before Roboyo, just talk me through, you know, how you got into this space and and what your, your other interests are as well. Sure. Um, so I started out my career in management consulting um, and I, I worked my way up through the ranks and, and left the consulting world uh, as, a, as a partner in the uh, financial services industry. I joined uh, a client of mine at the time afterwards and uh, spent uh, a good couple of years uh, looking after strategy operations and delivery for that client. And uh, lots of aspects of my role always included some type of training or learning okay. and development. So then I really progressed to working in executive education and then went on to join an e-learning company. And then I found out about this role at Roboyo through a former colleague of mine in my network. And because I'd spent all this time in consulting and professional services, um, I, I was exposed to quite a lot of technologies at the time. And what I really wanted to do was that intersection of technology and training Mm -hmm. was something that really, really attracted me um, to the role. So at Roboyo, uh, that's the role that that I wake up every day and say, I'm very lucky to have this role because you can create something with employees and clients together. Of course. And where does that passion come from? Um, Good question. I haven't actually thought about it too much, but I guess I've always had... I've always thought that training um, is a really interesting space to be in because it's evolved so much. Um, I do think that uh, part of it is because I was exposed to it so early on in my career. So I I, um, delivered a grad training program in my former management consulting life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just loved working with a large group of early careers, grads, to to try and help them progress. Um, And because my career path was not really... Um, defined, you had to create that career path yourself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I was trying to find my feet. And I thought, well, I actually love helping other people find their feet in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so my love of training just sort of built up really over time. Okay. And uh, I do think now that I've got kids, learning and development is, is even more prominent for me. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a mother, as a 
uh, as someone who's trying to get their kids through homework. And I'm always like, so what did you learn at school today? And like, if you can get one word out of them, yeah, yeah. Be, it was all right. Yeah. But, but why was it all right? Yeah, exactly. What did you learn? Yeah. Nothing really. History was really boring. Yeah. You know, how do we take the boring out of learning? Yeah. So um, part of it is that I, I want to be able to uh, excel in this space mm -hmm. so that I can help my kids realize the value of learning. Yeah. And in the workplace, how do we drive that impact for learning for those individuals in our organization? So it's not boring. It's not repetitive. It's not mundane. How do we make it exciting? Yeah, exactly. Because I remember speaking to you before about this where, you know, you have second level education, third level education, but then sometimes the education can stop once you go into the, the corporate fields. So obviously that's something that you want to kind of continue so that the person once they're in the company is continuing to learn and develop. Yes, absolutely. So you, you asked a question about passion earlier. I, I've, I've spoken at, at a few schools actually around the gap between yeah. higher education and the workplace. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is still a very big gap. Yeah. And while young people leave with some decent skills and some good all-round experiences, what they're actually lacking is that practical application of course, yeah. on the job. And that's the role that corporate learning and company learning can really provide. Um, and, and learning comes in many different forms, whether it's a podcast or a TED talk, you're picking up a newspaper, you're reading an article, that's all learning. It's mm -hmm. all bite size. It's all little chunks of learning that you're absorbing all the time. Yeah. The value that company learning provides is actually to structure it mm -hmm. and to and, and to have that structured learning within the company environment. Yeah. So it helps employees thrive in learning. So they're putting everything into practice. Cool. Um, uh, and that's that's really the value and then if you can measure it even better yeah and you mentioned you know the different ways that you can that you can learn and that people learn in different ways how do you kind of cater for that in terms of being in a business where people have different ways of learning is it through audio is it through you know lectures seminars how do you kind of cater for that within a corporate setting um i think it's changed a little bit from the tradition traditional way of learning you know decades ago yeah where formal seminars and classrooms were the way to learn so, so that's going back to my point around, that's why there's a gap between higher education and, and, and corporate learning is yeah. actually that classroom environment only gets you so far. Mm -hmm. So with the way we're learning now, which is on devices and looking at documentaries on TV and Netflix yeah. and all those sorts yeah. of things, learning is everywhere. Um, and it, it really needs to be individualized. So uh, I, I actually think that the, the way in which you can get to that individualized learning is, is to understand the needs of your workforce, really understand how your employees learn, how they want to learn, what they're accessing, and what's going to make it easy for them. It's, it's a five-minute podcast is going to be much easier to absorb than a week-long course where you have to take people out of the workplace. Yeah. Not to say that we can't do that, mm -hmm. but it's, it's generational. Um, and so if you've got a very young workforce, perhaps mobile learning or bite size is probably the best way to go. Yeah. But if, you, if you're looking for an in-depth technical skill set, then of course you need to be in a more structured format, delivering that as, mm -hmm. a, as a course and then doing some sort of assessment at the end. Um, you know, that's called blended learning in the industry, mm -hmm. um, taking different types of learning, putting them together in a journey okay. um, for, for employees. Yeah. And that journey will vary based on their career level. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're early careers in a grad program, you know, rotation programs and yeah. internships are the way to go. But as you go up through the ranks, 
probably more experiential learning where you're taking managers and leaders out of the workplace and really bringing out the best in them in a different environment. Mm -hmm. And you kind of mentioned how it's developed over time in terms of the, the training and maybe the way that the training is given. Do you think that the value is still there, even if the training is shifting, maybe in terms of attention span for the younger generation is, is always something that's that's spoken about? Do you think that it, there's still value in kind of putting it down to bite-sized things rather than these more formal seminars? Or do you think that there's anything lost within that? Great question. I think it probably needs to be both. I think you're right in the sense that some of the value could well be lost in that. Um, but it's about how you structure it overall. So yeah. what we're, you know, we're particularly good at at Roboyo is making sure that the learning suits the, uh, the the training program that we're putting together suits how clients and employees learn. So if we if you can take people out of the workplace for thirty to forty hours a year, and give them a program that they know for their role in their career yeah. for X number of years, this is what that training looks like. Then you can put some time in the diary and, and, and make it happen. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a, um, a valid point. The other thing is training for me is like a product mm -hmm. and training really needs to start with an MVP. Okay. So whether you're an immature training adopter or you're a very mature training adopter, um, start with an MVP and mm -hmm. uh, evolve it over time and evolve it. So, so it meets the needs of the market your employees and uh, th those around you and your team. And then you can iterate, you can try it again and you, and you fail fast. Um, so, but just having something out there to pique the interest and let your employees know that you care about them, mm -hmm. that you're, you're willing to work with them to develop this journey for them yeah. um, is really important. And part of the value that companies play is to offer it up to everyone. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that you think it's a product. Um, I was at the Applied AI Nordic event last week in Copenhagen and that Roboyo were, were sponsoring. And it was funny that a lot of people had referred to traditional projects as products mm. and trying to get that thought process across to clients as well, where, you know, you're, you're investing in something that, especially in, in, in the kind of automation technology where AI is still, we're trying to figure out exactly what it can do and the potential that it has that for, for clients and, and for ourselves as well to have the perspective that it is a product and that we need to kind of continue to develop it rather than a, a defined kind of project as well. So I think it's it's interesting to bring that back to the learning side of things as well. Yeah, definitely. And and it's um, the, the great thing about training is everybody loves self-development. Mm -hmm. People love to learn because they're developing themselves and, yeah. and, and find the hardest thing is finding the time to do it. Yeah. So you asked your question earlier around whether bite size sort of adds value and changes with, with generations to them, that's still learning and that they value every minute of that. But as employers, we have to find time to allow our people to go through that journey. Um, and, you know, whether it's a peer group discussion, whether it's a coaching conversation or whether it's a one-to-one, -one, you're still learning because you're getting feedback, you're reflecting mm -hmm. um, and wherever that can happen in the workplace, just absorb it all. And then yeah. you can evolve it. Yeah. I think the point on everyone wanting to have the opportunity to self-develop themselves is brilliant. But sometimes in in the business world or in, you know, you, you can be very drawn into your project work and you might not be able to find the time. How is, you know, the learning and the development perceived, I suppose, within companies um, about actually taking the time to 
to commit to learning and, and developing is that something that's kind of pushed to the wayside sometimes or is, in your experience is that something that people really like to prioritize as well it depends on how mature the company is okay and whether they have a learning and development department per yeah. se okay typically learning and de development departments will guide the business and act as their business partner to help them structure that learning for their employees based on their function and the organization mm -hmm. so you know function a b or c uh, might have a training goal that says, actually, we need to upskill everyone in this particular area. What training programs can you come up with that will support my business goals? Mm -hmm. And then you'll need commitment from the leader of that function to say, actually, people can take time out of the business to do that. So that's a very mature organizational approach to allowing employees to take that training. Mm -hmm. um, other example could be that companies could pivot you know, bringing a new technology on or yep. changing direction. And actually, well, you do need to reskill your workforce then because mm -hmm. you, you you have to allow them to time yeah. to be able to do that, um, especially in the tech space that we're in. Exactly. Um, it, it's evolving so quickly. Mm -hmm. So so, um, you, you, so so you have to. So that's the reskilling part. Um, and then you've got companies who don't have dedicated L&D departments mm -hmm. who probably do learning on the fly, right? So it is this sort of, TED talk podcast approach yeah. because they they don't have departments. So they're like, if you've got you know five spare minutes, go onto YouTube exactly. and listen to this yeah, TED talk. Yeah. And that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Um, I do think the challenge around allowing employees to take time out of projects, especially if you're in professional services, mm -hmm. is a challenge. Yeah. Um, and often we say, look, if you if you're in between projects or you've got training that you need to take to perform better on that project because exactly. it's demanded, it's needed for your role. That's really important for team leaders to allow those employees to take time out to do that. Typically it's about 40, 45 hours of formal learning is, is industry good practice. And when, and that includes formal learning in the, in the classroom or, you know, in a webinar, self-directed learning, being able to pick up a book, shadowing, mentoring, that all falls into the learning bucket of sort of 40 to 45 hours. So wherever companies feel like they can have their employees take time out of the business to allow them to do that, mm -hmm. um, it is important because obviously learning also has an impact on retention. That's what I was going to bring up next as well. Yeah. So about the sustainability of it and you know, the, the hiring and firing kind of approach that is not sustainable at all. And the actual importance of, yes, once you have the people involved that you want to retain them, is it a case of, yes, they're aware of it, but they don't have the structures in place, maybe in terms of how to implement it effectively? Yes, to a certain extent. It could also be that um, some of the data is simply not there around direct line impact between training, enabling your workforce, and ultimately the retention piece, mm -hmm. but, uh, I think retention takes a few, few forms, especially in our, in the tech space. Yeah. The first is that if you don't upskill your employees, there's probably a chance that over time, um, their skills will become stale. Yeah. So, so we need to keep that refreshed, um, all the time. So providing the right programs to help support that journey for them is important. The second thing I think uh, I mentioned earlier around reskilling, which is if, if your company's pivoting or you're taking on a new product or yep. technology, you need to sort of un, um, uh, reskill. The third is that very simply, uh, people are not loyal to the company anymore. 
right? So, so the way in which we we stay with an organization is not dictated by I'm working for this really great company and this company has been in, yeah. you know, in, in in the industry for 200 years and this is where I want to work. Actually, that, it's not about that anymore. Mm-hmm. It, the loyalty sits with the team leader and it sits with the probably the, the head of the business. You know, am I being treated well? Yeah. Am I being given the right opportunities to grow? Yeah. Am I being... Um, Am I being um, uh, treated well and equally? Do I like my team? So there's all these sort of aspects also that are part of retention. Yeah. But I think learning can really pop it all up. Definitely. You know, training is a happy place. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have not had one conversation with an employee or client where they didn't want to talk about training. Yeah. So training can also provide that self-correcting intervention mm-hmm. when performance is not great or when um, uh, an individual really wants to grow in a different area or whether they want to move to another part of, of the business. Yep. So all those are actually important factors when you're talking about retention as well. Mm-hmm. But having the right platform in place, um, just committing to it as yep. a leader, it's all top down. You know, commit to that mm-hmm. development of your people, then you get the loyalty, then you'll get the retention. Mm-hmm. So it's all part of that package, really, and it's hard to unpick just one or two aspects, but I think all of it. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you mentioned the shift in, you know, that the the, the loyalty to a company isn't there anymore or it's kind of changed, I suppose. When do you think that shift happened in terms of nearly the employee empowerment? Uh, it's been happening for the last 15 years, okay. I think 15 years, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. And the traditional route of I started out, as a grad, worked my way up yeah. to head of business unit. Now I'm on the board of directors. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, a traditional career path. Yeah. Um. I think um early. I think people are much more agile now. Mm-hmm. Even even those who are seasoned professionals are agile. Want to be agile because mm-hmm. they they want to um they want to work in different places. Why why is that changed? I think it's changed because it's the we're more mobile as as a workforce. Yeah. Um. The opportunities have opened up, mm-hmm. and. Uh, new companies are popping up. Mm-hmm. There are startups. There are new technologies. That's all evolving, and being able to support that journey is not so linear anymore. It's not just you know here's a graph of going up. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's all over the place. It's it, it's dotted. It's like that. You go to the optician and you have to do that What's that analysis that yeah, where you have to look for all the, God, yeah, the, the spots everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well. You're not you're not looking one place. You've got to look everywhere. Yeah. But you know what's my ideal job? What's going to catch my eye? Where exactly. can I go next? Yeah. And those exploratory experiences, mm-hmm. what people really want to yeah. put on their portfolio. And do you think COVID has possibly accelerated that in terms of the access to a workforce globally, where maybe before there was a restriction where oh, I I can't really move to that location? Um. Obviously, with with Reboyo, we're very remote first in terms of our our workforce and being able to to hire all over the world as well. Do you think that that's played a part in people saying, you know, I can't work for that company, a different region or a different continent because I can and I have the skill set? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, COVID obviously forced the home working to, to, uh, mm-hmm. to the forefront. Some companies have continued. Mm-hmm. Some companies have, have that to start with. Yeah. But there is no reason why a leader or a manager or a, or, a, or someone in their early career can't work from anywhere and, and serves the rest of the world. Exactly. Um, I do know a company who in their contract, they've put that they've got unlimited leave, which means they can work from their holiday destination of choice and yeah. still deliver an absolutely great project mm-hmm. outcome for their clients. Yeah. Um, and again, that's a happy place. Yeah. 
right? So you're wherever your happy place is, is where you're going to do your best. Yeah, I've heard about those unlimited leave things. I think people are very torn on it because people feel like they might not take leave because they're not given days or, you know, so it's an interesting one. I know that some big companies have done it. Um, do you have any opinion on that at all? Um, well, let's see. Uh, my ideal place would be, now if I could set up in the Seychelles for six months and say... I can still deliver great training from there. I, I'd, I'd be on there. But, what about Hackney? Yeah. You've spent half an hour here. It's a beautiful place. It will be the second place. Okay, fair enough. For the others. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so personal opinion. Um, down to the individual, individual yeah, yeah. and company, isn't it? I think as yeah. long as the, the policy is is clear, I think it's all about policy. Yeah. Right? The policy has to be very clear. True. And then um, it becomes a very honest conversation between the employee and the employer about what's mm. possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, no reason why it can't happen if, if the right structures are in place to support the business Definitely. and support that employee. Yeah. I suppose it comes into the package you were speaking about earlier about retention. And I think my own generation were probably guilty of it a bit where we want everything in terms of um the pay or the holidays or the the freedom to travel the work from home everything and the learning comes into that as well where you want to be continually developing um after coming out of third level education and that's definitely plays a big part like so i think the the culture shift and the generational shift into this new workforce as well is going to be interest and i think it's you're going to have your your work cut out as well i think over the next few years definitely and you just brought up a really interesting point um so training is not just about the technical training or the professional skills training course, or yeah. the functional training there's also a part about cultural training mm -hmm. that that if you've got these global experiences or you're working for a global organization yeah you need to understand how different parts of the world Work. operate yeah, yeah. you know how do they work what's you know how do you how do you sell something in germany mm -hmm. um how do you bring um the uh, how do you negotiate in the nordics yeah uh, that's all part of corporate learning as well yeah and i don't think we we spend enough time i adapting. think people underestimate it they do yeah 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 they underestimate it and actually building that into mm. your sales pitch or your um or, or really how how you're going to um, build up your training portfolio or any portfolio globally, yeah. um, that's a really important factor. Um, and we should probably be spending a little bit more time talking about cultural training, what that actually means and how that manifests itself. Because what we at Raboya work with exactly well, how many, 20, yeah. 25, maybe in 30 countries. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really something that everybody needs to learn. Yeah. And even internally as well, you know, always working in a project team with people from all over the world as well. And even how you relate with them, how you, you know, even contact them down to those simple things like is all learning like and it's a great opportunity to be here to be able to learn and develop and kind of, I suppose, tweak your style as well towards the location that you're in or the kind of culture that you're working with as well. So, um, yeah, it, it all comes under the one umbrella. Yeah. And, and, and there are some countries that take a very traditional approach to learning. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, some, some continents really prefer that formal learning where it's theater style classroom. Okay. You sit an exam, you pass it, you, you then you continue your learning. Other continents really value the, the uh, much more face to face, small group, yeah. uh, learning where you, you've got practical exploratory sort of scenarios that you work through mm -hmm. um, rather than that sort of formal theater style where you're being lectured to. Yeah. Um, so taking that into account when you're developing your employee learning program is really important as well. Mm -hmm.
because what how success is defined in the continent that they prefer theater style learning and, and formal lectures is very different to success where you sit around a table and you work through a project together. Yeah. Um, so that's really important to take into account when you're developing your program. Yeah. In terms of Raboyo and the kind of rapid growth that we've been on as well, and because of the industry that we're in where it's rapidly changing in terms of the technologies, how do you kind of structure the learning and structure the career paths to kind of match that and keep up with the pace that we're moving at? Is that a challenge or how do you kind of get around that? A career in automation is a relatively new concept. Mm -hmm. And there's no playbook. There's no playbook. So, so we are, which is uh, great for you though. It's great, which is why I love my job. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, so designing that automation career path Mm -hmm. is new. Uh, and we have to really think about, you know, how do you start out as an automation analyst and then work your way up to an automation architect? Yeah. Um, what makes an automation career successful? How do you develop that automation first mindset? Um, so those are all the questions you need to answer when you're building this career path. And having that career path with, you know, you spend two years in a, as an analyst and and this this is the type of training intervention you need to help you get to the next level, it is all something that comes through uh, project delivery and building a, I suppose, a career journey that's, Agile. Yeah. Because people aren't going to be in it for too long. Um, not because, you know, automation's ending or anything, but it's because it's so fast paced that you might be an analyst for a year and then you're asked to take on a project manager role because yeah. you've got the experience. Now, to be a project manager, we've got to suddenly give you project management training. Of course. Yeah. So you've got to be adapting on the fly all the time. Yeah. Uh, and being really agile is 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 very important. Mm-hmm. Um it's moving fast, so the program really has to be, you have to have a bank of training ready, Yeah, you know, sort of on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have it all, and then as soon as someone, you know, gets their role, it's sort of, right, this is your boot camp. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, go and take it. Here's your intensive boot camp. It's three weeks, mm-hmm. and now you're going to be a successful project manager. Yeah. And then after that, well, actually, you might be a team leader next. Now you're managing people. Yeah. So now you need team leader training, and, you know, how do I go from being a your peer to being your manager that's a new skill set for me yeah, yeah. and that can all happen in three years mm-hmm. definitely you mentioned earlier where you know you might be on an analyst for a year and then suddenly because of the change in the environment or because of the change in projects that you're maybe catapulted to project manager all of a sudden how do you kind of align the training with the business growth and is that difficult uh it's what i would probably say is that you need to define what training you need and look futuristic look a bit long term um a skill gap analysis is a really good way to do that Mm -hmm. so what are the skills you have today what are the skills you're going to need in three years and what are the skills you're going to need five ten years from now yeah and spending a bit of time thinking through that training strategy yeah as a as a as a senior leadership team is really important and then you can say what roles do we need what titles um what technologies what functions and then develop your sort of the uh, and, and plug those hotspots with targeted training programs. Mm-hmm. So really doing that analysis up front is important. You'll have a roadmap and that, that will hopefully tell you, right, these areas are where we're missing skill sets of the future. Um, and then you can really put in the right upskilling program to, yeah. to allow for that. And how do you create that roadmap? What, what What's entailed in that? Is it, you know, communication with maybe the people on the ground in terms of what they feel they need? Or is it more 
senior leadership in terms of using the experience that they've had and kind of implementing it from there. You need to take on the role of head of learning services, Niall, because that's exactly what I was going to okay. say. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit of both, a, a bottom up and top down. So your leadership team will obviously set the vision for for what they're um, for what they want. Yeah. So they might actually we're at three hundred today. We're looking to get to six hundred people in in three years. You know, how do we build that? Uh, how do we build up? Uh, so there's a little bit of that vision that's trickled top down, and then you've got a bottom up approach, which is what's actually happening on the ground. Yeah. You know, how many developers do we have? How many anal- business analysts do we have? Um, how many project managers do we have? Do we have the bench strength to get to that 600 and support that population? Yeah. So uh, the analysis uh, can be quite simple. So we'll conduct some um, interviews or discovery sessions, group discovery sessions with uh, with clients. Yeah. And then we'll drop a, 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 a training um, we call sort of like a training needs analysis. Mm-hmm. And that sort of sets out your training needs, um, sets out what skills you need, what roles, where, yeah. uh, timing, et cetera. And then, and then you can build a roadmap off that, which says actually for, for each business function, you know, we're looking at building up, you know, 10 people a year over the next three years to build that up. We need, we need different learning tracks. So we need a beginner learning track and intermediate and probably an advanced one. Once you've got that learning track defined, what's the curriculum? Um, so what, what, what's the content that we're going to be delivering to them? Yeah. And then you plug that with, with training delivery and often that delivery is done by learning experts within the organization, or sometimes um, you've got external experts that can come in and, and deliver that. Um, at Roboyo, we we do rely a lot on our subject matter experts. Yeah. They've been in the business for a very long time. They're often our trainers. They're often those that have real life project experiences. And we also work very closely with our technology partners to yeah. plug those gaps. So we've got a real portfolio of contributors in terms of content. Okay, very good. and. From your experience working with clients and kind of implementing these internal trainings or the kind of vision and the the roadmap, what are some of the common pitfalls that you might come across in terms of maybe that they're lacking in terms of preparation or maturity, as you mentioned before? What sort of other areas that do you see that that could be issues at times? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me is the upfront piece around doing the training needs analysis. Okay. Often we skip that step. Mm-hmm. And we think the answer is we need a training program in X delivered on this date for this many people. And you have to kind of survey the surroundings. And, yeah. yeah. And then actually you have to go back a few steps. Right. Okay. Why, when, how, what's the business problem you're trying to solve? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the need and what's the goal? And what, and 90% of the time, the training that they actually wanted is not the training that they yeah, yeah and i think that's the same across all projects like um but yeah didn't want to cut you off there but i think it's just important to highlight that that it's you think you know what they want or they think they know what they want as well and instead of just implementing that go back to the start and understand what the actual issue is initially yeah so that, so that's that's one they definitely have that analysis that mm-hmm. training needs analysis um the, the the second thing is the practical business led training um, and what i mean by that is using examples from within the business to drive the content of the training and it's sort of the um the business sandwich mm-hmm. so you've got your uh, theory and then at the end you've got some sort of practical assessment or um, or quiz or your a project that you have to present but in the middle it's all about where they are in the business the relevance of 
of what they're doing as an organization, whether it's their process, their use case, yeah. whatever that is, to be embedded within that. So that the training then has a real impact because otherwise, if you're just learning something that's um, a standard industry use case or a process, yeah. you're not applying it to that environment. So I always say to clients, bring your process, bring your um, uh, bring the the example from within your business environment to help us to train you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's sometimes missing um, from training. So it's sort of the business sandwich. Okay, and good analogy, I like that. <laughs> From from your experience, kind of, I suppose, initially going into the client, implementing some sort of training roadmap for them, you mentioned earlier about the importance of being agile. If the company kind of changes its perspective on things or, you know, the industry goes in a different direction and the company needs to adapt, how do you find evolving the training to kind of help the client and continue on their journey, but maybe in a slightly different direction than what we initially kind of had hypothesized for them? Yeah, it's a great question. It does, and it does happen. Um, the, the interesting thing about technology is that, and this is what I actually love about training and technology, is that you no sooner than you've launched a course, six months later, the technology or the tool changes. You've got to change all your screenshots. Yeah. You've got to update all your training material. You've got to be on the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can't sit back. So you're forever at the edge of your seat going, what's happening? I've got to scan the market. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and it's being able to recognize, uh, you can't always plan for it, but yeah. being able to recognize and keep current okay. with what's going on. And part of that is to keep your eye on the, in the training industry, making sure that you're working with your tech partners okay. um, to see where they're headed. So having that regular open communication channel helps could help you to plan a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other aspect is, I think being quite honest with the client around providing um, a MVP. Yeah. So, so this is your first pass of what we think is really is right for you, mm-hmm. but know that that can be built on. Yeah. So you've got a really good foundational knowledge that we're able to upskill you on. After that, that's probably an advanced level and and and, and probably a, um, a super user or a much more technical maturity level yeah. that you'll get to. And But we're going to partner with you. So we'll bring you some ideas around when that's likely to happen and when you need to move your employees throughout that journey. Yeah. Um, and being on top of it for your client, working with them to yeah. say, actually, this is when you need to do something different. Yeah comes back to that product versus project thing again like that they once they acknowledge that initially then it's not a problem and you're working together on it I suppose yeah um and also I suppose that they need to be aware of that like and the expectation management is a huge thing at the start of every project but I'd say even more in training and development it it is and actually that expectation responsibility sits with the project manager Mm -hmm. so and so that project manager needs to be trained enough to yeah. know when to have those conversations like, with clients. Yeah, yeah. So is he spotting something in the technology that's going to change next week? Mm-hmm. Well, he's got to be able to bring that up with the client, yeah, yeah. feel confident, comfortable that he can put in a, a scope of change mm-hmm. request um, and actually move that along. But that, but again, that's sort of up to training, of course. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. To enforce that. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I suppose on that point as well with you know, adapting to the to the clients. Have you have you seen any pushback in terms of that from the clients from any experiences where they're like, okay, no, this is not what you had kind of promised us or told us or suppose, or are they very open to the changing and they understand that it's that it's training and development? 
Yes, I think um, training is a it, it's it's one of those places where the expectation is that it will likely change just mm. because that's the the nature of the of of the topic. Yeah. Um. So not not too much pushback, more openness around wanting advice yeah. from Roboyo, yeah. wanting that partnership, training partnership to know that actually they can rely on us mm -hmm. to advise them and guide them on what's next, what's coming up, um, and be open to that. Um, which is why often when I talk to clients, I always suggest a pilot. And it's start with something small, start with the pilot, see how comfortable you are, you know, almost back to that MVP again. Yeah. See if it works for you. And then what would you like to change? What would you like to add, take away, make it bigger, shorter, more content? Um, who else do you want in it? Get feedback from those learners in the pilot group. And then you can evolve over time. And that's a great way to start off any training program. Mm -hmm. Small number of people, test it, and then iterate. Yeah. Just to kind of go back on, you mentioned before where the passion kind of came from for this topic and, you know, you mentioned certain things that you really enjoy, but what's the kind of, what's your favorite thing about the topic and what do you kind of wake up in the morning and go, oh, I just can't wait to get stuck into this? The challenge of not having something mm -hmm. and creating it. So um, I think that the way in which I operate is really thriving on ambiguity. Okay. Um, I love the fact that we don't know what training a client wants. I love the fact that we know that we are um, we need to deliver this training program for our employees, but actually I don't know what it looks like yet. Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting part. Who can I bring on board with me from within the business to help me create that? And which clients can I talk to to help help them um, pick the right training solution? Yeah. So. For me, it's it's that un I really love that unknown space yeah. because there's so much structure around us that we need that will help us to build it out. Exactly. Yeah. But it's the you know there are not many roles where you can be a hundred percent creative mm -hmm. in in the sort of formal corporate world. Yeah. And I love that part about training at Roboya, which is that we are creating, co-creating with our clients, co-creating with our employees and our team leaders and our project managers and our business leaders. Mm -hmm what's best, what's the best employee development program and what's the best training solution for our clients. So it's that unknown, ambiguous space. Call me strange, but I actually love that. No, it's it's great because some people thrive in that. Others can't deal with it at all. And I like the, you know, what you're saying, we're, we're surrounded by structure, but within this as well, it's such a, a fast moving area that the training has to be adapted and for you to have that role in there is is brilliant like so i'd say it's very very exciting i'm sure you mentioned earlier that you had experience in terms of grad programs and working with graduates and the tr transition in from third level to the, the corporate life that's something that we're looking to implement as well with Reboyo. what are you kind of looking forward to the most about that in terms of being able to to get the top talent in and be able to continue to develop them throughout um, their career at Reboyo? yeah it's it's i think it's fantastic mm -hmm. to have a structured grad training program um for us because uh, they're the future and so we are really lucky at Reboyo that that we we've got a sort of an open slate to start something from scratch so we yeah. we've got best practices best of breed there are so many experienced people at Roboyo that have worked in different organizations that mm -hmm. have seen um, what works well um, and 
it, the organization is very, very supportive of interns and, you know, work placements. And, you know, I myself have an intern on the team and she's doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really good at giving people that opportunity. Um, and we've got so much uh, subject matter that's sitting in different places of Raboyo, putting that all together in a structured training program and supporting those, you know, however many graduates we, t- we take on um, to, to, to become the future leaders of Raboyo is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of training programs out there, grad training programs that are established. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of back to my, why I love Raboyo's, uh, this role of Raboyo so much. It's yeah. just, we, that's all structure. But actually, we're creating something yeah. that will help us to embed this program for you know the next sort of what you know ten, twenty, thirty years. Yeah. Um. So I'm really looking forward to it. There are certain aspects of it that are going to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but certain aspects of it that are going to be really exciting both for graduates and yeah. for those that are managing them. And the fact that we are international, mm-hmm. just so that seed, you know, international, global. Uh, pan-European wow. it's going to be pan-European, pan-European wow. big word yeah. it's going to be really exciting for them yeah I can't wait we'll have to have you on a part two to kind of dive into that a bit <laughs> a bit more for for people that are listening that are maybe thinking about joining Roboyo either at I suppose a more senior level or even at a graduate level what are like a couple of things that you feel are like yes like you know, you mentioned there in terms of nearly being part of the structure and and being part of the change and part of the the development. But just from your own experience, what are a couple of things that you feel like it's the right choice for people? I'd say fast growing, eclectic, and dynamic. Fast growth because that's exactly what's happening now. We're 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 growing, uh, and that's great to see. Mm-hmm. Eclectic because we come from such different backgrounds, experiences, yeah. and. Part of who you are always comes through when you're working at Raboyo. It's a very personable company, mm-hmm. but we're also evolving, shifting towards the same vision, but doing it together in a way that you feel like you belong, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. uh, what your experiences are, everybody brings something to the table. And that really makes for a great working environment. So in terms of from the client's perspective, what are sort of the the key trends or, or changes, I suppose, in terms of what they're looking for and how we're going to be able to implement it? I'm seeing an increase in demand for Raboy's mentoring programs. These can be really effective in building confidence and capability in the workforce, mm-hmm. especially if you're starting out as a developer. Um, most people don't want to ask questions when are a training course. Um, and, you know, especially if you've got all these people looking on, of course, yeah. so mentoring can be a really good way to engage, um, one-to-one or in small groups, and it can be quite effective in making a long-term impact because you've got the chance to speak, uh, about your particular issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roboy's mentoring programs really have a, a broad range of sort of best practices, technical coaching all built in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really geared towards sort of maximizing impact um, so that those individuals can perform better on the job. So, so that could be really important. Yeah. And then I suppose from an internal perspective and looking at how maybe we delivered training in the past and now because of the growth, because of the changing in the, in the technologies, how has that kind of shifted, I suppose, in terms of actually developing our own employees so we're innovating how we 
deliver training. Mm -hmm. um, with the precedent for training to be delivered online primarily, we want it to be more immersive and interactive. So we're really spending a lot of time thinking about what the best online experience is because nobody really wants to listen to a two-hour webinar. Yeah. Um, so what tools are available to help us to create much more of a simulated environment where you feel like you're experiencing the project, but you're not actually on the project. Okay. Um, so, so that's really how we're looking at evolving our internal training. I think the other piece is bringing more of that real life you know, business sandwich mm -hmm. into, into the training for our own employees. Yeah. And the more we can make that part of the uh, career track for them, uh, the more they'll get real life experiences to then go on to projects with yeah. that requires a lot of input from the business so um you know it's not a it's not a quick course, uh, yeah. project by any means because you're you're what you really want to do is you know ask those successful uh, project managers and those um uh, and those that are on projects to, to to come and work with you on that business case the scenario um what are the right questions to ask etc and all package all that up in proper training content yeah. and then give that out to clients and actually um, uh, to employees. So that's how we're changing. Yeah. And smoothening that process for actually going into a project yourself. So yeah, I think I suppose that's kind of the, the, the synopsis of why the training is so important, like, and the development is so key. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's not, um, it's, really easy to put together a webinar for 90 minutes and just go through slides yeah but the value yeah so but is the learning really going to stick yeah so what can you do to really mix it up mm -hmm. uh, and, and make it a little bit more of a different experience yeah um so yeah brilliant well i think that's a great place to finish up malika really appreciate your time um, and really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to, to part two. Thank you very much, <laughs> Niall. See you back in Hackney. Sounds good.